Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast Gonna be a lot of horse racing this week It is Breeders' Cup, so this will be our Breeders' Cup Friday preview show And we'll have a Breeders' Cup Saturday preview show Unlike any others, because in the Breeders' Cup races We're gonna go over every single horse in every single Breeders' Cup race Whether we are gonna pick them or not We're gonna let you know their positives, their negatives We're gonna give you their trip notes And then at the end we'll let you know how we're gonna approach the races since you're going to be Breeders' Cup focused, you have to right now go sign up for Stable Duel. It is a free contest and it's daily fantasy for horse racing. So if you want to play the Breeders' Cup this week and maybe you don't have a whole ton of money, there are two different things that I have great opportunities for you. And the first one is Stable Duel, completely free. Go sign up, download the app, and I'm going to explain how to fill out your lineup at the end of this episode. They are offering $20,000 in prizes between Friday and Saturday. Stable Duel. Go download the app, and I'm going to explain how to fill it out in just a bit. And then our friends from Call to Post, they are back, calltopost.com. They have an awesome members area and a Slack channel where everybody talks. They discuss horse racing. They go back and forth on handicapping angles. And then there are always free tournaments um, with prizes, with cash, with gift card prizes, It's really fun if you like horse racing If you like discussing handicapping And just discussing horse racing with other fans Check out Call to Post They're offering a free contest this weekend To $500 in prizes So StableDuel.com, CallToPost.com Go sign up at both places You can get involved in free contests And we'll also talk a little bit about The best scary movies in this episode Uh, We'll go through a little look at the NBA Breeders' Cup Friday Break down all the Breeders' Cup races and, And then Our stable dual lineup, we'll set that for you And we'll close things out with some wrestling talk A little WWE, and we'll set you up for Crown Jewel October 29th, 2019 Busy, busy time in the world of sports You're listening to That's What G Said Podcast It is the week of the Breeders' Cup And most of you know I'm a big horse racing fan I've worked in horse racing for a lot of my life My mom and dad met each other at the racetrack So a week like this is always a huge week for me As far as prepping, um, research, getting everything ready And uh, oh yeah, by the way My girlfriend Stephanie is pregnant About completely nine months Uh, We're due on November the 4th So literally at any moment She could go into labor I've been just keeping my fingers crossed That I was able to get the prep work Get the research done And post these shows Because then then I, I don't mind if he comes on on Friday or Saturday during the Breeders' Cup races, and I'll make my ba- my old ba- uh, bets before and and watch the races later. I just wanted to be able to get these shows done, get the prep work out there, so all of you can uh, can hear the thoughts and analysis for free here uh, with every single race. So before we get into the horse racing, 
some other business to take care of. We are in the middle of the That's What G Said Best Scary Movies Tournament. And currently, we are down to the Elite Eight. We've all watched some good scary movies, right? I mean, listen to this Elite Eight that we have. These are some of the scariest movies of all time. Movies that you saw when you were young, when you were a teen, when you were a little older. That just scared the absolute crap out of you. And I have seen all of these movies. I love all of them. I'm always, I've always been a huge scary movie fan when I was young. Uh, buddies, we used to all love to rent any scary movies we can. Uh, great ones. We went through the AFI horror uh, horror movie list. We went through, you know, all sorts of terrible '80s movies, slasher, sleepaway camp type movies. But these are the good ones: The Exorcist and The Birds, Psycho and Silence of the Lambs, Halloween versus Nightmare on Elm Street, and Friday the Thirteenth versus The Shining. Talk about your who's who of horror movies. Now, my personal favorite just got eliminated. I was a big fan of the old It, Pennywise, the the old two-part uh, It. And the new It, I haven't seen the second one. I saw part one of the new It that just came out, and I thought it was pretty good, and it was a little bit different. That's what you have to do when you remake something. You got to go a little bit different than, uh, you know, you got to make a little bit of a, a tweak to it. So, um I liked what they did with the new It, but my my rooting interest is out. I don't get to vote because I create the polls, so I don't. I never am voting on Twitter. It's base. It's all your votes. That's and all these brackets that we've done for best sports movies. We did the best uh, animated Disney movies. Now best scary movies. Uh, next up is going to be football. We're going to have a uh, best football movies coming up soon. I expect that one to be a real fun one. It's really all on you. So. I always uh, would love if you can get to Twitter, follow me. It's me, Gino B. It's just this is just fun. So anytime you you see it out there, it takes one second. Click vote if you you know post your thoughts. I'll I'll read through your thoughts and uh, and your comments down to the elite eight. If I had to predict, I would expect The Exorcist and The Shining. Those are the ones that I ranked number one and two. The Exorcist and The Shining. I kind of tried to split them up best that I can. I basically tried to rank like the top. 20 and spread them all out and then fill in the rest and for the most part there haven't really been many upsets you I expected when it would get down to maybe like a a legitimate 16 and then like now I could see anything happening like I wouldn't be shocked if the birds beat the exorcist or if uh, Friday the 13th beat the shining I had just kind of set up the exorcist and the shining as one and two so let's see how good I am with the uh the rankings there for the best scary movies just want to get some quick thoughts about the NBA. Uh, we're only, you know, a week in. Everybody's played either three or four games. But this is such a fun basketball season because there is no heavy, overwhelming favorite that, like, last couple years, everybody just kind of expected Golden State to be there. Prior to that, you basically expected the team that LeBron was on, the Heat, you know, before that. The Cavs had the, the real good years where you were just kind of expecting them to get there. Um Prior to that, it was the Spurs and the Lakers, you know, who always had really dominant teams. This year, it's just so wide open. I think in the East, you probably see two or three teams that could maybe get out of the East right now, unless they make some trades and change up their rosters a little bit. And then in the West, I mean, you you go five or six deep for saying this team could get out of the West. Philly started real hot. 
no surprise there. The one thing we always got to monitor when we talk about the 76ers is just the, the health of Embiid. But with Horford there, even if Embiid misses some time, they just have an unbelievable veteran who can just kind of run and man the defense for them and step up and score 25 if need be. But the games where Embiid's around, he, he won't even take shots. Raptors look really good. You know, Siakam's taking the next step. They're 3-1 and one right now. Van Fleet's getting more run. He's He's played well. We'll see how deep they are. And if they're going to be able to compete with some of the top teams in the East Or just the top teams overall But as far as being an above average team And I think Legitimate shot to finish in the top four in the East And then we, we see What a great job uh, Spolstra does with Miami You know, Jimmy Butler has not even played yet He'll be making uh, Recording this The 29th So he, I think he's he's playing his first game In Miami's fourth game of the year They're 2-1 and one right now Bam Adebayo's taking the next step They like what they're seeing over there from Harrow The rookie It's it's just coaching, we see Time and time again, the good coaches Can elevate, and if Butler Can carry this team They're going to they're gonna be a very strong Team in the East We've seen Trey Young, he has been incredible It's very early on He's averaging 34 points a game right now And he's making four threes um, Four threes a game And he's just been absurd but Atlanta's going to be a, a fun young team to keep watching. He won't be able to sustain to sustain this. Defenses will will start to make it a little bit harder on him. But he's going to he's going to play a lot of bad teams in the East in a lot of games this year. Boston's kind of where we thought they were. They're going to be a a solid team, and Boston is going to go as far as it's not even Kemba with Boston. It's Tatum and it's Brown. How far can they take you? Because you know what you're going to get from Kemba for the most part, but if they're going to be, you know, if they have any chance of taking the next step, it's all going to be ba- it's all going to be on Tatum and Brown. And how much can they grow? Can they become like legitimate go-to guys? Bucks will be fine with Giannis. You know, Giannis will carry them. The Pistons have been feisty. They've played well so far without Blake. Derrick Rose has looked very good. Um I haven't heard a lot of positives coming out of Orlando About Vucevic He had a horrible game there tonight Just that he's, he's maybe kind of getting comfortable after, after getting paid But Jonathan Isaac Seems to be taking the next step Lots of fun buzz of, of, about him The Wizards Great to see Isaiah Thomas back Really cool uh, That he's gotten the opportunity now to get back out on the court You uh, I root for Thomas, obviously, he's one of those guys that's really been unfortunate how much money he's lost uh, over the last couple of years with with some of his injuries. So, and we saw him get back out on the court and and play his first game of the year. It's really weird for the Wizards. It, just look at their starting lineup, and it's unfortunately it's just not great. They and in their rotation, they're playing like three players who who were playing a lot of minutes on the Lakers G League team over the last couple of years. With Thomas Bryant, with uh, Isaac Bonga, and with Mo Wagner. Now, I thought I, I thought Mo Wagner, you know, has a shot to be a good player in this league. And even Bonga, he's still young and he's a project. That's the problem. Like Thomas Bryant is solid. He he's probably a backup big man. These they just have some players that really shouldn't be starting. Um, that could be good backups or good good young pieces moving forward. The Cavs are just really young. How about the Nets already? With the Kyrie and his mood swings And not going well He's been absurd In a good way as far as his production He's you know he's averaging 37 Through his first few games 
But I gotta say, I'm I'm not upset that the Lakers didn't get Kyrie and just have to deal with this. From a talent standpoint, he's incredible, but just you always feel like you're gonna have to deal with this with Kyrie. Charlotte's really, really young. They're bad. Cleveland's just gonna be young, you know. I, like nothing surprising from them. Same thing with the Knicks. They're not gonna be good. Uh, they'll probably be a, a trade team. The Bulls I've been a little bit disappointed uh, with so far. They're one and three to start. I, I, I'm not right, like ready to give up on them. I don't think they're gonna be like a 50 win team, but I figure they could maybe battle for the bottom of the playoffs. So, want to see a little more from the Bulls and then the Pacers. They lost a lot. You know, they made a couple moves this year, but I, you go through their roster and and who they had last year compared to who they had this year. After they get, you know, past their fourth or fifth. I was just listening to a podcast on the Ringer, and they were talking about how you know you really don't realize, with especially without Oladipo right now, they are not very deep, and not a great start. Brogdon's looked really good, but they just they don't have much after about their, you know, Brogdon, the couple bigs with Sabonis and with Turner. Uh, you got Warren now in there, and Lamb, and with Oladipo. Hurt now, you know you're looking at a team that is missing so many pieces from last year with Bogdanovich. They had another veteran in Collison that was in the mix there. Um, just other guys that can help put the ball in the basket. We'll see. Still early for them, and I think they're they have a good. I like the way their organizations run. I like like I like their top tier players. I'm, I'm a big fan of. Oladipo, we'll see how he can come back I like Sabonis, I like Turner, I like Brogdon I just don't know if this team is deep enough Not a strong East though You'll hear me say that repeatedly And then the West Denver started out hot, which is no surprise Because they're one of the few teams that was pretty intact Where so many teams had Different pieces It's funny, if you look at the top three teams Really in the West Denver, the Spurs, and the Timberwolves They are teams that are solely or are very, very similar to the team, their roster of, from last year, in particular, their top tier players. You know, Denver knows what they're going to get from Jokic, and they have Murray, and they have a good, like, solid 10 deep roster. The Spurs, you know what you're going to get there. This is a team that's built around uh, Aldridge and DeRozan. And then the T Wolves, Towns has been, you know, early three games in, MVP candidate, incredible. 32 points. Uh, so far in his three games Five threes a game 13 plus rebounds And three steals I these the Out of those three teams That started fast I, I'm more likely to think that Denver Sticks around towards the top I think the Spurs will probably be like a middle to the bottom Of a playoff team in the West And the T-Wolves just the same Although you look at the starts for a couple of the teams And maybe Maybe teams are going to flip flop, but Lakers and Clippers are both going to be really good. Clippers lost to the Suns the other night, and the Suns are feisty. The one note I'll make on the Clippers is, come playoff time, they'll be fine, and the Lakers I think will be fine too. The one that the both of these teams are going to have to deal with, and I think the Lakers are a little more used to dealing with it because people just love kicking the crap out of the Lakers because the Lakers kick the crap out of most teams for a long time. But the Clippers are going to have to be careful about some of the nights like a. That game at Phoenix Because everybody's going to want to play the big bad Clippers now uh, They know that this is not a 
Like, this is not the Clippers from last year who could sneak up on you. And if you weren't ready to play, they're going to hurt you. They're going to, they're going to, you know, upset you. So they got to be careful that they're, they're ready to go every night. And with Beverly and like, and Doc, their mold will be pretty solid. But it's just a little bit different when you're the hunted versus, you know, one of the teams that's, that can overachieve a little bit. And that's what we see with the Lakers. Like they always get everyone's best effort. Golden State's going to deal with this now too, because Golden State's a little bit down this year. And I think people got a little too worried early on because they still they need you know they need Looney and they need Collie Stein. Without Clay, they can't be missing any other pieces. They need Draymond to be healthy because they're not deep enough. But they're still going to be feisty enough to you know to battle. I don't think they're going to be a horrendous team. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if they're like right towards the bottom or missing the playoffs. Nothing really surprising. Like the Jazz look like the Jazz look like the team we thought, but Connolly has been miserable early to start. And, and you know Kawhi's been awesome. You can't take anything away from him. He's I'm really impressed with what Kawhi's uh, how he's improved his playmaking. Uh, that's been very very impressive. He's kind of added a little wrink. Uh, he's added a little wrinkle there. The Rockets and Westbrook has has looked good. He's shooting well percentage wise. He doesn't seem like he's forcing a lot. And right now. He's done. He's done a great job accepting his role, and we'll see. Because it's fine when things start or the first few weeks, but let's see if something goes wrong or he has a bad game or is there going to be a blow up there? But Houston, they've started well. As a Laker fan, really crazy how uh, things have happened for Dwight Howard. He's become like a huge fan favorite now. He's really accepted this role as a a backup big man who just plays defense, gets rebounds, blocks shots. And is not trying to worry about offense or even score at all more than just kind of putbacks or if it's in the flow of the offense. They're gonna have to find and Vogel's gonna have to find the rotation for the uh, the Lakers, but they're gonna be in really good shape when Kuzma comes back too. The Mavs and Doncic, he is incredible. If you don't watch uh, Luka Doncic enough, make it make it a point. He's incredible, and this Dallas team could take a nice step this year if they're able to stay healthy with Porzingis. I like the Suns, what they did with their roster. They have some nice veterans now. This isn't the typical Suns-built roster the way we've seen it. They added Rubio. They got Kaminsky in there. They just they have some actual NBA rotation players instead of a bunch of young players all at the same time. You need a little bit of a mix match. And Rubio can ta- help take the ball out of Booker's hand a little bit. And Aiton got suspended. They beat the Clippers the other night without Rubio and without Aiton. They're fun. Keep an eye on the Clippers. Uh, keep an eye on the Suns. I was going to say Clippers because they beat the Clippers, the Suns. They're going to be a really tough team uh, to play when you kind of, a lot of teams expected to go into Phoenix and have a, a win, a W, and it's not going to be the case this year. They ain't going to give you any, any free free dubs. Blazers trying to, to work in Whiteside. Uh, that'll take a little bit of time. I, I'm not worried about the Blazers. I just think they're they're not that great. I think they're going to be, you know, Probably in the bottom mix for the, the playoffs. And then some of the teams that have been bad so far, the, the Grizzlies, they're not bad. They're just young. And John Moran has been awesome. He had a really cool back and forth with Kyrie the other night when they beat the the Nets. And then you have the Thunder, who what we'll see what they do with Chris Paul. They've they've been competitive. They're just a completely new team. A lot of these teams that have a, a whole lot of new players. Give them a few weeks at least. We're we're literally judging teams on four games. Just kind of giving some thoughts of what we've seen early on. The the one team that's 
really been disappointing is Luke Walton and the Sacramento Kings. They are 0-4. Everybody expected them with their young nucleus and Fox to kind of take another step forward this year, and they have not. Keep an eye on that because maybe maybe it is Luke. Maybe he's not a very good coach. The Pelicans and my young Lakers. My young Lakers from the last few years. Brandon Ingram, so good. Lonzo has looked good. Hart has looked good. Everybody ripped me and they said, oh, those players are terrible. Well, go look. You know, New Orleans is 0-4, but they're missing Holiday and Zion right now. Favors missed a game and they've been pretty competitive in a couple games so far. And it's not, they're not struggling because the Lakers, let's say that. They're not struggling because the former Lakers, because of Ingram, because of Hart, or because of Lonzo. Those guys have all played really, really well to start. We'll have a much more in-depth breakdowns, and maybe uh, throughout the NBA season, and maybe some days where we, you know, have a uh, show like an instant reaction show immediately following Laker games or big games, or maybe big nights where there's double games. We'll we'll do that when there's like a TNT night where uh, there's a, a full slate of games and. And maybe like a, a five and a seven game or a four and a seven game, and we'll do some because uh, we'll do some post game stuff. I love the NBA. I'm not just a Laker fan. I am a full fan of the NBA. I love to watch all the games, league pass. Uh, so we'll be talking all NBA all throughout the year. Before we get into the Breeders' Cup Friday, want to let you know about our friends from Call to Post. They are back. Calltopost.com is a website. You can sign up for a membership for free, and it'll take you to the Slack channel where I'm a member of the Slack channel, and it is really fun. They have discussions, talk about races, handicapping angles, share tickets, uh, and I've been involved in, I don't know, 10 free handicapping tournaments that they have with prizes, cash, or gift card prizes throughout. And Cult of Post is actually having a contest, a free contest this weekend. So maybe you're someone who wants to play the Breeders' Cup, you love horse racing, or maybe you only have a little bit of money and, and you can't play a whole ton, or maybe you can't play at all. It was, you know, wasn't pay payday this week. You, you had to pay the more, you know, the rent or the mortgage, whatever you had to pay. I understand. That's what happens to me a lot. So there are a couple really cool opportunities this weekend for you to get involved in things for free. And calltopost.com is going to have $500 in prizes and giveaways. Fun, competitive atmosphere, horse racing fans. Check out calltopost.com and you can find them on all your social medias. Call to post, call the number two post.com. Big supporter of that their site love being a member of that slack channel at call to post racing on twitter call to post.com breeders kept friday let's get into the the pre breeders cup races i'm not going to spend as much time on those because honestly i'm not going to bet them as much myself so i'm not going to I'm I'm going to give you more what I'm going to play, but I'm going to break down all the Breeders' Cup races because one thing I don't like to do is I've been paying attention, focusing on Breeders' Cup stuff for a while. I know these horses pretty well, and this should be a good couple days where win or lose, you get a little bit better value than you normally would. That's why the Breeders' Cup is great because a horse that should normally be 5 to 2 will be 5 to 1 or 6 to 1. Right? A horse that will be 5 to 1 will be 15 to 1 normally. Um uh, so, 
Let's try to capitalize best we can on the Breeders' Cup races. I know a lot of you are going to want to play the undercard stuff. Um, I'm just going to dabble a bit. Here's how we'll play the non-Breeders' Cup races on Friday. Race number one, get your past performances out. So we're talking November 1st, Santa Anita, race number one. It is the grade two marathon, mile and three quarters in here. Just if you play an early pick five or if you're you know getting involved in this race, throw in the two American tattoo his last start, he flashed some speed from the inside. He cleared, and then at the top of the lane, he was headed, and he was back to about a half length behind, but he came on back again from the inside. I think he's just a horse who can run all day, and I feel like he'll sit a nice trip in here, maybe right behind Zestful, the really sharp Zestful, who is looking for his, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh consecutive win. He's looking for his eighth win of 2019, stepping up a little bit. But I, I feel like American Tattoo sits right behind Zestful. They're going to ha- both have to hold off campaign who will come running late. But let's give American to, and, and it's in the post is also shown, you know, ability on in the Cougar. But let's go to American Tattoo and put American Tattoo in, in all of your exotics. And if you can get like seven to two, maybe put a few bucks to win on American Tattoo. In the second race, the number eight, Zuzana. Is the horse to keep an eye on here Just look at what she's done since coming into The Bob Hess Jr. barn They claimed her for 8000 She came right back and she won for 8 at Golden Gate And they stepped up and won for 25 on the grass At Santa Anita Ran 2nd against 1st level allowance Going a mile and an 8th on the grass at Santa Anita In a, in a really not a bad spot Came right back to win after that And beat a couple nice next out winners In a starter 25 Then she took on the boys And she actually faced Zestful The horse we just talked about Who is really, really sharp Zestful has won, what, six races in a row And so Susanna ran into to that buzzsaw Against the boys She comes back against the girls She runs pretty well at Kentucky Downs I have zero knocks with that effort And then she came back and ran well And what you'll notice in the last couple races Where she's been defeated She's just been a little unlucky Because she comes from a little farther back So if a horse goes Gets out front and is able to slow things down And doesn't have to face a ton of early pace That's where she's compromised And I, I don't know if that's going to be the case in here I think with the the inside horse Rihanna, you're going to get some speed from there I'm expecting Opus 1 to show some speed I don't think Invincibella Will be too far out of it Or Arctic Roll and uh, you know Heather's Gray won't be too far out of it So there might be 5 or, or 6 horses That are going to be really close Sitting up Kind of pushing the pace a little bit And that should give Zuzana an opportunity To sit back and make one nice late run Kent D knows her very, very well He's been aboard for her last two starts And we know how lethal this combination has been Through the years So Zuzana, make sure to use in race number two If you're playing that second race at Santa Anita Third race is the Golden State Juvenile Philly Seven furlongs there I like the, uh, well yeah, I, I think the 11 is going to be tough So, you know, I'm not telling you anything you don't know This is going to be your very likely favorite in here And she just looks like the cutting back to a sprint will really help her I thought she ran pretty well in the chandelier But it, it she just didn't have much late And this turn back should really, really help The drop in class should help Look who she was just behind Bast, Comical, and KP Dreamy Who are going to be running in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly So... You know, maybe maybe a, a single in this race, or if you're not playing a pick five or anything, maybe this is a race where you put her on top of some other long shots and try to catch a price. But um, 
for me, she just looks like an absolute standout in this third. And then the fourth race is the Golden State Juvenile. And the, the eight great Ulysses is the horse to keep an eye on in here. Kind of similar. Um, he comes out of a, I thought, a pretty tough race against South Bend, Wheat King, Night Code. Those horses just came back to run on the two-year-old card at Churchill over the weekend. South Bend won a stakes race. Next out, the Street Sense Stakes. Great Ulysses. Showed speed in the in the debut going a little longer, but was that was not really speed. That was just kind of, hey, nobody else is going. I'm just going to end up on the lead. When she had to, or when he had to deal with quicker, he couldn't keep up with them early on, but he really ran in spots. I actually liked his race quite a bit. Uh, as I mentioned, the couple next out winners, South Bend won the street stakes. All Cools, who was in that race, won an optional 75 also. He adds the blinkers, try to get him a little more close, expecting to show him a little more speed. And I, I just think there's something here. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets bet down a bit. The, I thought the line was probably a little bit off. He should be half of, of the eight to one. So if he's anything over seven to two, don't don't go, oh, he got bet down a bit. He shouldn't be eight to one. He should he should have been more like four to one on the morning line or seven to two. So keep that in mind sometimes when you see a line that you think, wow, this course is fifteen to one, you know? If he shouldn't be fifteen to one, if if he really should be six and he ends up at six, then don't don't feel like, oh, I'm not getting value because there was no value to begin with at fifteen to one if it if it's not gonna ever happen. There are your first four for the Breeders' Cup. And then uh, just one, I'll give you an, uh, the 10th race, which is a non-Breeders' Cup race also. the In the 10th race, the number one, Regalto. He, you know, he should be around like 9 to 2-ish or so, I think, when it's all said and done. And just key off his sprint races. He had a good start. He was taken back a bit. Three off. He was four, five. He was fourth, fifth. He was two deep. He closed pretty well in between uh, to win the battle for second. So yeah, just focus on his sprint races. And he's another horse to include in any of your exotics. But uh, for me, my focus on Friday is going to be on those five Breeders' Cup races. We're going to have a, a Breeders' Cup pick five for you. We'll give you a couple different approaches. We'll get, we'll tell you horses to to bet to win. We'll give you the odds and everything. Let's get into the Breeders' Cup. Friday, race number five. It'll all start with the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. Get your past performances out five furlongs on the turf course. So we'll start with the number one, Chimney Rock, who... So these are all your two-year-olds sprinting five furlongs. Chimney Rock, Mike Maker, uh, comes off of a... Back-to-back runner-up efforts, and in both of those races, he was behind Wesley Ward trainees that are in this race. We look at the Kentucky Downs race, where he finished second behind Cambria. It was really good that day. I mean, zero knocks. He actually had a a ton of of trouble in in that start when behind Cambria. He was steadied. He was taken back early. He kept to the outside. He came rolling late, but he couldn't get by Cambria. So, I mean, no excuses in that he couldn't get by late, but the excuse was early for Chimney Rock. Uh, last out, he was 8th of 9. He was just outside of Kimari. He moved early, and he got a two-length jump on Kimari, but he could not hold off Kimari's late rally. Who uh, she, sl- she had a slow start, and then she came rolling. I don't really have any knocks on on Chimney Rock. I just don't. 
have him in my exotics and you know that's that's a line I'll say a lot throughout the breeders cup because these are a lot of really good horses but you, you know you can't use 6 7 8 in most races some races you got to have to kind of pick and choose and take a stand so chimney rock for me uh what hurts is the rail and I think that's the like the determining factor for why I probably won't be using him because with his running style he's going to have to come from you know from way out of it and I don't like the fact that he'll have to be doing it going five furlongs from the inside trying to maneuver through traffic. So if he was drawn a little more to the outside, I I think I'd give him a, a little better shot. The two is band practice. Is last start or her last start, she went right to the lead from the outside. It was a really easy win in, in Chantilly. She's looking for her fourth consecutive win. But when we look at the Europeans, I think she's just coming out of races that are a lot that are a lot softer. Uh, we really just don't know how good she is. So I would need a big price on band practice. I, I wouldn't want to take anything under that morning line. So it just seems like she's got to, to face a little bit too tough in here. The, the three is another miracle. She had a good start. He uh, was outrun a little bit after the start in his most recent race. He was back to fourth. He was five off. He was too deep. He just didn't really have a turn of foot. And what concerns me, you know, that was at Belmont and he was behind a couple of, of horses who you have to deal with today. Now you have to deal with, first of all, four-wheel drive and just see him as more of a, an underneath type horse. Maybe maybe to use because of some speed in the bottom of your exotics, but another miracle. Not as, as much for me. I think you can make a, a nice little case here for... The number four, Dream Shot. Now, he's coming off of uh, races where he was second back-to-back, and you'll notice he was behind uh, Ali, Dr. Simpson. He was behind horses with nowhere to go. And once he got some room, he angled out. He just got up for second. I really liked his last effort. And then the two back finishing behind Ali, that's no shame, who I'm going to make my top selection here. I think Dream Shot, uh, at a price, is a nice horse to use in some of your exotics. And to me, he's like the nice price play in here. You know, I look at Dream Shot, I know that he's faced some top-notch company in his last couple, and he's not been disgraced. The five is Encoder, and he... Was a very good winner in his debut. And then he came back in career start number two and he stretched out and he was just able to get up and and beat Belly Bats. And really no excuses in his most recent start going long. Had every opportunity, kind of loomed up again, looked like he was in great shape and then just very flat late. So now you cut back to five furlongs and he was run very well at five in his debut. I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't completely talk you off him, but I, I'm, I'm not going to be using him uh, in most of my exotics. Alligator Alley, the six. He was actually favored on September the thirteenth at Doncaster over Ali and Dream Shot. That was the last time we saw Alligator Alley. He was actually like acting up in the gate. And he was not comfortable. He was not ready to go. And then he completely missed the break. He hopped, and then he just never got involved. So you can make a legitimate excuse for him in his last start. I mean, he was favored over a couple horses that were going to be in this spot too. Just a tough, 
good tough race to start the Breeders' Cup with a juvenile turf sprint. The number seven, Komari, Philly. I mean, she's done like nothing wrong in her career. She's only been defeated once. That was in Ascot when she was second in a field of 25. She lost to Raffle Prize, who is a, you see show up in a lot of these juvenile past performances. That's a really nice two-year-old. You'll see like Raffle Prize and Earthlight show up a lot. If you see those horses in the running lines, you know that they're coming there. The horses that have uh, been facing them are coming out of really strong races. What impressed me the most about Kimari was in her last start, she showed the ability to come from way out of it. She had a slow start, and then she kind of got shuffled back. She was more like beat to a spot. She was last of nine. She was inside. She was eight lengths off, and she was dead last at the top of the lane. She was five off. She was two lengths behind Chimney Rock, who ended up finishing second, who she had to run down that day. She angles out wide. Just incredible versatility that she's shown uh, the way that she can win in different races, right? Big speed going 21-2, and right on the lead, two back, and then last time out, dead last, closing like nine lengths, five lengths at the top of the lane. Extremely impressive And Wesley Ward has a really strong hand in here I mean he has three Who I have as my top five They are all legitimate contenders The eight is Dr. Simpson Who He's quick He was really quick And he went right to the lead And then he was just off the pace He moved to the lead and he held very well In his last start He was actually able to beat older Problem I have with some of these horses who are are quick. We saw this last year, and we and we see it sometimes in the juvenile races. In the sprint races, the Europeans and the horses that are not racing in the United States, I'm they're not quite used to the the speed that the sprint horses in the U.S. have, and a lot of times they get outrun in the sprint distances. But you know, on the turf route races is where they kind of beat up on the U.S. horses generally. Dr. Simpson should be involved in the early pace in here. The nine is four-wheel drive who, I mean, he has been extremely impressive in his two starts. First out, debut winner at Colonial. And then last time out, he broke on top. He sat second. And while the outside rival was gunned for the lead, he just sat chilly right behind. He was like two, three lengths behind. He loomed up without being asked. He was extremely impressive. He's the one to beat. Four-wheel drive He is the deserved likely favorite Slight favorite He shouldn't be like an overwhelming favorite But he Should be right there He's not a I have to be on the lead horse But he's got enough speed to just sit real close And Should get an opportunity to to get a nice jump On some of these who are going to want to be coming from out of it So four-wheel drive is not A horse that I'm going to be Trying to beat in here I think he's a major player And he makes a lot of sense In all of your exotics My top selection Is going to be the 10 Ali Who I mean when you look at His form overall He just missed in his debut And then he went back to back Group stakes races He On August the 18th Was 5th And he was behind a horse named Earthlight And look who was 2nd that day Raffle prize Earthlight is 5 for 5 A multiple group 1 winner This horse Ali is uh, top 5 ranked In the 2 year old Cartier Ranking standings 
And I like this last start. He was always close. He was just a length off. He moved the lead when asked. He's just a very professional looking two year old. And so I'm not sure he's the type of horse because he's not a like have to be on the lead. He's actually much better, I think, when he's just sitting right off, when he's tracking or when he's got a target. So he's going to be my top selection in here. And if we can get anything over 7 to 2, I think he's worthy of a win wager. The number 10, Aw Ali. The 11 is King Neptune. And he flew early from the outside uh, in his most recent start. He opened up a couple lengths uh, immediately. It wasn't a bad fourth. He just tired late behind some nice ones, right? He was also behind Earthlight. He was sixty-six to one that day. And Aiden O'Brien, his numbers—you you know—you can find different variations of the numbers, but he has not won races. Period. As of late, to uh, give a shout out to a couple of my good friends and former colleagues, uh, I saw Caleb Keller at Caleb TVG post. Some of the numbers for uh, Aiden O'Brien. And he's winless with his last 42 starters in North America. Aiden O'Brien. So, you know, you you think of him as, like, you know, dominating and sending over turf horses that are generally going to win a ton. And uh, the Sarge said, you know, it's since 2005, he's just seven for 102 in the U.S. His last winner uh, at Santa Anita, dating back to 2016, just one for his last 12. So, you know, you're generally not getting the top, top tier horses, but that's, you know, that's a, a number that you take a look at. And, I, you know, you look at a horse like King Neptune, and he does, doesn't feel like a top tier Aiden O'Brien horse, right? The number 12 is Cambria. Good eye sniper. Little Coheed and Cambria fans out there. Yeah. Ward just has a nice hand in, in here. You know, the 12 posts for. For this one might not be easy She's a, a two year old filly She's three for three She won her first couple starts at Presque Isle And then she won at Kentucky And it was her turf debut She broke well But she took back out of a bunched up group She saved ground at the rail She angled out She had dead aim She had a battle with Chimney Rock uh, Throughout It was uh, the, throughout the stretch It was a really nice W She was very handy She's maneuverable And she's a tough horse to leave out of your exotics The post might hurt and she, if she's, you know, the forgotten one of the wards, just keep her in mind for your exotics. So that's the uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. The way we see this race is the number 10, Ali. Really like this one. I just feel like he's been facing uh, a different level and a different caliber of runners over, in, you know, in Doncaster, Doville. And the key is for him, you know, as a trip, just being able to to sit a little bit off. I don't want him to get caught up early on and and get hooked up in a speed battle. I just don't think he's quick is quick and has that is that type. But he just seems like he'll be really nice sitting just off. Ah, Ali. Let's make a win wager on him if we can get like seven to two. The nine is the one to beat. Four wheel drive. He's going to be really tough in here. So ten nine. The twelve Cambria we mentioned versatile. Uh, the outside scares me a little bit, but she has the ability to kind of drop back, or you know she can show a little more speed and maybe not get hooked too wide. So I think she has some options. That's why I'm not too concerned with the outside. And you want to go a little deeper. The number seven. Kamari, 
You know, no real knocks on this one. She's nearly undefeated, and she showed that she can come from off the pace last time out. The number four is the the price to me, and that is Dream Shot, who he just has to repeat what he's run in his last couple starts, and he should have every opportunity. 10, 9, 12, 7, 4. Those are the horses I'll be using in the exotics with the, the 10 to win. Let's get to Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. Race number six. The number one is Our Country. I pl- I've played him a couple times. Now, uh, he- he's run four times and he's one for four. And he's not bad. His last start, he kind of had a slow start. He was in between. He was squeezed back to last of nine. He was, you know, maybe eight lengths off or so. He wanted to go uh, inside, but he really had no room. He had to angle out widest of all. He, he was a legitimate six seven wide. He was behind Structor and Andesite. He does have some issues with slow starts, and he's kind of gotten himself into trouble. But he should have an opportunity to save ground and maybe pick up a small slice in here. I just, I just like others a little bit more. Than our country who I think have a little bit more upside Including uh, The one who beat him Who is Right next door And and that is Structor I tried to play against Structor Last out Off of his maiden score And I was really When I went back and, and Wasn't uh, upset anymore because I didn't I didn't have Structor I was really uh, impressed with his, his win He was a close up third in the Pilgrim he took back. He was like a length or two off. He was three deep at the top of the lane. It's a, it was like a wide trip that you don't always see winning a, a grass race. That's not an easy trip for a young horse going long on the grass to give up a bunch of ground. You just don't see that kind of trip winning in, in turf races very often. Normally, it's the save ground, angle out trip, horse coming from the back or horse showing speed. Generally, if you get hooked a little bit wide, you're flat late. You don't win that race. I like Structor, and I think he's obviously a major contender in here. This is probably a race where I have the least of a strong opinion because I just feel there are a lot of ways you can go. Um, you know, in in race number five, I feel like the 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 nine, the ten, the top those those to me feel like your top two. If you wanted to maybe, if I was going to create like a top tier in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. And in this Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, trying to create a top tier for me, you know, people call them A's, B's, C's, horses, or however you want to do it, was was a little bit difficult. Because I, I thought you could, you know, really use a lot in here. The three-piece achieved, like, what's what's wrong with him? L- look what he's done since they've stretched him out onto the grass. His first two races sprinting, they were okay. They weren't great. Then he stretches out at Ellis, and he... Crushes a group He comes back at Kentucky And is really really good And You know last time out he was at Keeneland He was asked for speed he was three deep He was two deep and he was pressing From a half length off He was always close always within striking Range he ended up getting Forced like three wide As a gear jockey Snuck up the inside and then peace achieved Is really game late holding off Vitalogy you know you're going to get a good run for him as far as like he has speed. He's going to give himself a shot. He's going to put himself in the race. The four is decorated invader. I mean, he's very close to being undefeated in his three starts. He was runner up in his debut behind field pass. And then he came back and he's won back to back races. Last out, he missed the break. He 
hopped, but he recovered well. He was sitting like seventh, eighth. He was about five, six off, and he was in between horses. Then he angled to the outside four deep and in between, and just a nice clear cut win in the uh, the summer. And it, it's tough to to build a ticket without having him, you, you know, as a serious contender. I have him picked second in here, decorated invader. The five is Vitalogy. His two races in uh, North America have not been bad at all. Most recently, he was behind Peace Achieved. Two starts back, he was behind Decorated Invader. In his last start, he made a big, big sustained rally. He was two from the back going into the turn, and then he was last. He was 12 off. He was four wide at the back of the pack, and then five wide. He closed a ton in that race. Field of 14, dead last. You know, some points, you're, you know, 12 plus lengths out of it. He can absolutely pick up a slice in here. The six is Grateful Kitten. In, I mean, in his debut, he was able to sit a little bit. He actually broke on top, but then he sat behind a a runoff leader. And when he was able to straighten out, he just went right by the top two. At the top of the lane, he angles out, takes a little bit to straighten out, and then he came. And since then, he's just been right on the lead and super impressive. We don't know what he's been beating down at Gulfstream Park. He went right to the front. He crossed over. He cleared, and he just cruised. And he'll have a say in this race, even if he's not good enough to win, because he's going to be involved in the early mix, right? Like At the very least, you're going to have... Graceful Kitten and Peace Achieved battling it up front. And we'll see, you know, we don't always know how much speed we're going to get from some of the the Europeans. We'll have Gear Jockey probably close. Billy Bats won't be far. You know, War Beast has a shot to show speed. So they could be cooking up front. That's why Graceful Kitten, the fact that he can sit a little bit like he showed in his debut, that could be beneficial to him. And I will not talk anybody off of him. I don't have him in the top tier, but he's in like the, the second tier in what I think is a wide open race. And he should offer you some nice value, give you a good run for your money. The reason why I just don't have him more upgraded is because I worry about all the other speed. You know, I mentioned there could be four or five that go in here. So I want a horse who's going to be coming uh, late a little bit, who has the ability to sit off. And his sight... He was close up uh, inside in his most recent start in the Pilgrim when he was second. He was third, fourth. He was within a couple. He was in tight. Um, He was actually traveling pretty well with nowhere to go. He squeezed back a length as he waited. He got a nice opening. Took a few strides to get going. He was lugging in a little bit, not really running straight late, and he was behind Structor. And I, I think he's a little green. Does have a little upside, but I prefer Structor. Of those coming out of the same race, Billy Bats is the eight, and he's going to give you he's going to give you it all. He has some nice tactical speed. I just don't think he's quite this good. I don't know if he's like wants to really go a mile. I felt like he was would probably be best at six and a half. When I mean, unfortunately we don't have the six and a half going here. His last start, I mean, he was really right in it all the way throughout, and then. Hit the road, comes just rolling late by. And he just missed behind encoder. He ran way too good to lose on the front end on September the 1st in the Del Mar Juvenile Turf. 
So he's probably just going to be involved early on And I don't know if he's going to have enough to hang hang around When the, uh, when some of the closers start getting getting going here I kind of feel the same for Geared Jockey To me, he just feels like a horse who could hang around, be a horse that you you know finishes you know third or fourth because he flashes some speed and works out a good trip, but it just feels like there's too much speed for me to like these horses who are going to be right on the lead in here. He kind of moved, sat behind, and then moved into the race behind Peace Achieved and Vitalogy last time out, so he knows some of the uh, the these common foes. The ten is War Beast, who. He's a pace factor, you know, he held off Billy Bats for the place Last time out And so that just is another Horse who will likely add some Speed in here, same type Though, like that's what makes this race Really hard to handicap is that There's a lot of speed horses, right They're not all gonna go, but a couple of them are Gonna go, and any one of them That works out a nice trip can hit the board At a price, or can get right in the race at a price The 11 is proven Strategies, who just Needs to improve I, I really have no knocks on his summer His summer race, he was behind Decorated Invader uh, He was also behind Vitology in that race He just feels like a horse who um, Is in a little over his head in this spot Arizona is I mean, we talk about horses who have faced some good ones Coming over He's coming out of a Three consecutive group one races Where he has faced some absolute monsters He was behind a horse named Pinatubu Who was 5 for 5 Also Earthlight who was 5 for 5 Was a clear cut second Last time out Arizona showed big speed early But he was no match late for Pinatubu He battled Arizona battled really really well All the way around was a clear cut second Now he's going to go a mile And I'm a little worried That he ends up getting caught up in this quick pace I'm not sure if he tries to sit too close to some to, to this type of speed Going a little bit longer than he's ever gone From post 12, maybe he gets hooked a little wide So I, I have some concerns with his running style And how it's going to shape up in this race With, again, Aiden O'Brien, who we just mentioned Has not been very hot with horses in the United States I do think To me he's not a complete toss out But I will play Some tickets where I don't have him And if he gets bet down Then I'm wor- then I'm willing to toss him out If he stays around like 5-2, to 3-1 to one, And it's a wide open race And we like a price or two in the other races I don't think he, he is one you should completely dismiss From your exotics Especially if you're using some other prices in here He can absolutely win this race And hit the board I just don't like him as much based on his price With how this race will shape up The 13 is Fort Myers Who Broke right on top He sat patiently in third While a few other rivals went to the front Uh, He angled in between horses And was a strong, determined winner He was clear a length Most recently Now That wasn't one of the group Stakes races that some of the others are coming out of But when you look back He wasn't completely Overmatched when he was behind Arizona He finished fourth Not not far, just a length and a couple Length and three quarters behind The 14 hit the road Is One who You know, I don't know if the post will hurt him As much as, as we would think Because 
for him, it's got to it's going to be hey, let's take back and make a late run anyways. Unfortunately, he's just going to have to be a little farther back than they probably would have liked. If he's mid pack, he probably doesn't have to be dead last, but he might have to be you know tenth to fourteenth in this field just so that way he's not parked wide. With his running style, you know he's a closer who's just going to have to be a little bit farther back. It's not like you're taking a speed horse who's going to get parked or you're going to take have to take a speed horse back. I'm not gonna le- I'm not gonna leave him out of of my exotics. I really like Hit the Road quite a bit in here. He beat Warbeast, Billy Batson, and Coder last time out. Toss his debut. It was going four and a half furlongs on the dirt. It was just to get me ready to race, race. And then he tried the grass going long. He won first out on the first out going long on the grass. So for his first grass start. And unfortunately, he missed the Del Mar Juvenile Turf. He had a, t- a small issue. You can see when you look at his works, he actually worked on August the 25th, and then he worked again on September the 11th, so he didn't miss a ton of time. He just had to miss that race and scratch. And then he came back in the Zuma Beach. He got squeezed back a bit at the start. He was last of seven. He was five off. When uh, the, the stretch ran begun, and he just absolutely exploded. At the top of the lane, he angles out widest of all. It was a last to first move, and then he's an easy geared down winner. Really, really big move from hit the road. So in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, I like the two structure, the four decorated invader, and the fourteen hit the road. As I'll kind of have at the top tier of horses. So play, you know, whoever is the best price. If you're looking for a horse to play individually. And after that tier, it's the 5, the Vitology, and the 12, Arizona right in the mix with the 6, the Speed of Graceful Kitten, and the 3, Peace Achieved, who shouldn't be far out of it. So, I mean, you there aren't many in here that I'm going to talk you off. In this particular race, I will say... If you're playing something, make sure to include some prices in here. And keep an eye on the board, too. You don't necessarily just want to go ABC in this race, because this looks like a fun race to to maybe take a little bit of a swing. And so, for me, it'll be paying attention to, okay, if Hit the Road floats up because he's he's wide, maybe he's just too big of a price for me to, to lay off. Um, maybe go that way. We'll see how the prices are on Structor, Decorated Invader, Arizona. Which one of them takes the money? I think they're all logical, but you can't, you know, play them all in your exotics. I prefer Decorated Invader, and I prefer Structor to Arizona based on the race shape. I think those two have the opportunity to sit off a little bit more. Wide open, Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. Race number seven is the Juvenile Phillies, and. If you believe it or not, the favorite is Donna Veloce for Simon Callahan with the Prada board. And she's only one career race. It was going six and a half furlongs at Santa Anita. She was incredible. I mean, she was sparkling. She really didn't have to work at all. That, that's kind of the problem when you have a horse like this who is going to take a ton of money. Like I would I would have loved to bet Donna Veloce if she was gonna be six to one. But at three to one and maybe even getting bet down more, because you look at this race and 
first off, it's just, it's not a huge field. It's only a field of nine. She might just be a freak and she might be better than everyone in here. The problem is, is that she's going to have to deal with tougher company, obviously, stepping up from a maiden to the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies in a grade one. And she's going to have to go from six and a half furlongs to a mile and a 16th for the first time. Like, that's just not going to be easy. She was very fast. She didn't even really get asked or hustled. She had to deal with some pressure to her inside, but she was on just absolute cruise control throughout. The The reason why we would not use her as much and maybe not have her as like a top play, top one or top two in this race is just because she's going to have to deal with some other pressure to her outside. She's going to have to deal with 260 with Lazy Daisy, who has a little bit of speed. We know that Wicked Whisper has big speed and Comical has speed. I don't know if O'Neill's going to have both Lazy Daisy and Comical Flash Speed, but you can imagine that one of the two will. So that might be a lot to deal with for a filly making just her second career start. That's why I'm a little concerned with Donna Veloce from uh, is she good enough to win this race? And you know, as, as the favorite, I think she's probably one to take a shot against in some of your rolling exotics. The two is 260. It's tough to really get a gauge on her. She was asked for speed. She crossed over. She uh, cleared off. Very nice at Gulfstream Park. We just don't, I mean, we don't know what she's been beating. She hasn't been facing company that's near close to this. And now she's going to have to deal with some other speed right to her, um, you know, to her inside with Donna Veloce. And then, you know, to her outside, she's going to have to deal with probably a couple with Wicked Whisper and Comical. So this is going to be a tough spot for 260, who... She might, you know, she might be really, really nice. This just seems like a little bit too tough of a group with the the speed that she's going to have to deal with. Perfect Alibi, she is a multiple graded stakes winner. She's a grade one winner. She doesn't really get a lot of respect because her numbers and figures don't come up very high. Marcassi said he didn't really know if she loved the Keeneland track uh, that much last time out. She wasn't bad. She broke right with the leaders. She took back to fifth, sixth. She was about six lengths off in the two path. She started to move in the outside. She got up to about within a length of British Idiom. And then British Idiom just like pressed the button and went. And Perfect Alibi was no match. But Perfect Alibi was still a clear cut second. She was three lengths clear. And what I like about her is... I don't have any worry about her getting hooked up or like her getting caught up in a speed battle here. She is definitely not as quick as some of the others and she is best suited coming from off the pace. And she actually is the type of horse who you have to ride a little bit and shake up and you have to kind of, she's a grinder. She's not the the prettiest mover in the mornings and she's not just like a flashy workhorse. She's just a rate, more of a racehorse. And I think she's a nice horse to use in all of your exotics. And I I, w- I really don't, you know, I, I think she's got a shot to win this race too. I wouldn't leave her out of, of most any of your like tries and supers, especially if it's something where you're trying to get a little bit of value. Because the way that she could defeat British Idiom, who I like, let me just say this. I like British Idiom more than, than uh, Perfect Alibi as far as winning this race. I think they're both the exotic horses to use. And I have British Idiom as my top selection, the number four, who is two for two. I love the way British Idiom was able to sit off the pace. And after her career debut at Saratoga, when she stretched out from six furlongs to a mile and 16th at Keeneland in the Alcibiades, I wasn't sure she'd 
have that style where she could sit off of a few lengths like she did. It was a good start. She was in between. She was bumped a bit going into the turn. She took back out of a tight spot. She was fourth, four off the outside in the clear. She moved to the lead without being asked. She just crushed. I mean, it was super impressive. We're talking about it in the trip note for Perfect Alibi right before. Perfect Alibi was like asked for some run and got right up and looked like she was going to move and she was going to be like moving into contention with British Idiom and then British Idiom just put her away. To me, she feels like the horse who gets the trip in here. Because if Donna Veloce is showing speed, if 260 is showing speed, if we're getting some speed from Wicked Whisper, comical, I wouldn't be shocked. I think Bast is more of a sitter and actually just had to show a little bit more speed by necessity last time out. British Idiom, the number four, will make our top selection in here. You know, To me, she feels like she should be around three to one. I don't want her to get bet down any more than that. But when you're talking about rolling exotics, I have her as my top selection and on a top tier with uh, one more in here. The five is Lazy Daisy. She's two for three. She won her debut. And then in the Del Mar debutante, she drew the rail. She she had an okay start, but then she was outrun a bit in the second quarter. She angled to the outside. She showed some late interest when she was fourth, well beaten. Then she came back in the Pocahontas, and she was very quick last time out. She went right to the lead. She... Had to deal with some pressure to the inside. So then she ended up sitting a little bit just outside. She had to work hard to get by a big long shot who they've been battling throughout. His Glory was the runner-up, and that was the one who was pesky. And then His Glory actually just came back to win um, at Churchill, optional 75, first-level allowance next out. So coming out of a productive race where she beat a nice next out winner, what... I like about Lazy Daisy and why I really won't talk anybody off of like spreading out in this race and even including her in in some way is that she has some speed, but she's shown that she can pass some horses too. So if things get a little too quick early on, then maybe she has to take back. If they're not going that fast and maybe she can show a little more speed, it's always nice to, to know you have a horse that, that has options. Grade one winner, Bast. Multiple grade one winner, Bast, uh, was smashing in the Del Mar debutante. Just sat a perfect trip in the debutante and went right by Inspiresa, who was supposed to be the hot horse. Because Bast lost in her debut to Inspiresa, and then Inspiresa was the horse everybody was talking about in the Del Mar debutante. And Bast just blew right by Inspiresa, who. Just Inspiresa got a little caught up in the pace that day. And then Bass stretches out in the chandelier from seven furlongs to a mile and a 16. Three deep pressing, uh, was up to the two path at the top of the lane. Had to work for it, but it was kind of a well-measured neck winner late. It wasn't quite as close when you look on paper, but Bass had to work all the way around to put away Comical. KP Dreaming was third that day. When we talk about horses who have options, to me, I think Bast can get a type of trip that she got on August the 31st when she won the Del Mar debutante. I like that if they go, you know, a little too quick, she's just going to sit behind them. But if they're not, she's shown that she can battle and she can lay it down with you all the way around the track. So the number six Bast I have in that tier with British Idiom. So I have British Idiom on top of Bast. The seven is Wicked Whisper, two for two. 
undefeated. I mean, in her debut, she was a step slow, and then she shot through from the rail. She cleared off. It was very, very nice. Geared down six plus length win. And then last out, she took a few strides to get going. And once she got to the front end, she cleared off by a length. Nobody ever got close, really. She was striding away late. She beat Frank's Rockette, who you see in the running lines for a perfect alibi. The only issue I have with Wicked Whisper is the way that I'm I'm projecting this race to shape up on paper. And I just don't know if she's going to get the type of trip that she needs. It's a positive that she's drawn towards the outside, the only issue is that she might not be the outside of the speed. It looks like Comical might be the outside speed. So if Comical goes from the outside and then Wicked Whisper has to chase one of the speeds, maybe Donna Veloce or someone else from the inside, she might be caught kind of in between in no man's land. And that's what concerns me a little bit with her. I'm not completely willing to dismiss her because she's got a load of talent. But I don't know how this is if it's going to shape up the way she would need to win this race. KP Dreaming is going to need to improve a little bit uh, off of her last. The August 29th race it was really nice. She was a couple lengths off. She was in the, like, the third, fourth, fifth spot. She was in between. She took back out of traffic and then she ducked down to the inside and she moved through nicely for the win. And last out, she was fifth to five going into the turn. She was close up. She took back a bit out of an inside spot. She was like three, four lengths off. She kept to the inside. But she was like a non-threatening third. She won the battle for third. Underneath, bottom of the exotics at the, at the most for KP Dreaming in here. And then Comical. I wasn't sure how good she was after the Sorrento. I thought she just kind of threw in a clunker. And then she came back in the debutante and she came from off the pace to kind of grind in and pick up a minor award. And she was really good when, when she went long for the first time in the Chandelier. And maybe she's the type of horse who just wanted to go long and should improve. From a, I've got speed, I'm drawn well, and I've actually shown that I can sit off and pass some horses if need be. She was not far behind Bast. If she floats up and she's a huge price, don't completely dismiss her. But just from a pure win standpoint, how I think this race shapes up, the horses I'm going to be most using in the exotics, it's the four British idiom, it's the six Bast. The three, to me, feels like the price of the race. In perfect alibi I think she's she gets forgotten about a little bit As a, a multiple graded stakes winner And a grade 1 winner Because she just doesn't come out of races And she's not flashy Doesn't get big figures in numbers 4, 6, 3 And then after that I kind of have the 1 and the 7 and, and you know in, in the next tier And then like the 5 and the 9 Like the, the horses There's only a few that I would I would dismiss in here That's it, it really is just all about how this race shapes up That's why I want the two horses Who I feel like will be able to adapt to any type of pace scenario And to me, that is British Idiom And that is Bast Those are my, those are my top two selections in race number seven The Juvenile Phillies Turf Race number eight The one living in the past kicks things off his first time going to be going long. He's uh, he's never been. She's never been longer than five, uh, six furlongs. She is a Group Two winner on August the twenty second. She went right to the lead, opened up a length, always up at least a half length, and then she was shaken up. She responded nicely for the the victory at York. Then last time out, she was forwardly placed from the inside. She was just a neck off with a couple to the outside. They were all really. Going at it early on And she was up to third before fading Just a couple lengths off on the inside It was okay 
it was in a, a tough race. The problem I have now is that now she's going to be going long for the first time, and I I don't know if that's going to benefit her. She has speed, and I'm I'm expecting her to be involved early on. But look at this race. There's a lot of speed in this race on paper. Absconded, Fair Maiden, adding the blinks. Shouldn't be far out of it at all. Sharing's going to be right there. And then Sweet Melania. I wouldn't be shocked to see a toil not far. Sweet, I mean, Sweet Melania's real quick. So I, I'm worried with living in the past who capable on, on big day. Just not sure if she, if she will be able to kind of take back and run. The two is Krokovuk, who she was last of six early, four off, lost her footing at the top of the stretch when she was just about to launch her rally. She finished second last time out behind Warren Showtime. I just don't know. Like she's coming out of races, and they weren't behind horses that are in here. I don't know how much legitimate like excuse or trouble. Like I said, she lost footing a little bit when she still finished to find second. Even if she beats Warren's showtime that day, I don't know if that makes her a contender in here. So she just feels like she's a a horse that I'll I'll be not necessarily playing in uh, in the exotics. The three, Shadden. She was well held uh, in her most recent start. She was just a few lengths off, maybe three off in the third flight behind horses. She angled to the clear four deep uh, of five. She was headed, and then she battles back for the win. She is a group stakes winner. You'll notice uh, some horses like Kamari, you see Raffle Prize is a, a name that's come up a few times. So far as the... European, some of the imports are concerned. I don't know if she's coming out of races that are as strong as some of the others in here, like uh, Albina or Dahi, Dahia, as I'll butcher those so so poorly. (laughs) Abscond flash some speed last time out. She's a group one winner, grade one winner now. She flew early from the outside, but she couldn't cross over. She had to battle, and at the top of the lane, she was in between horses, and she was passed. She, it looked like we prob- you probably would have thought she was going to finish third, and she ends up battling, and she somehow wins in between. It was really impressive. Her only loss came to Kamari sprinting, likely involved in the early pace. One that's going to be really tough to keep out of your exotics is the number five, Dahlia, who... Just look at her defeats. She has been defeated by Love and Raffle Prize. And other than that, she's a multiple group stakes winner. And she just won nicely. Let's go back to her last two stars. On September the 15th, when she finishes second behind Love, she's at the back of the mid-pack. She's in the middle of the track. She's five across, and she has a strong late rally for a clear second. And then on September the 27th, she's just about three lengths off. She was covered up early, then in the clear, and she kind of covered up again a little bit, tucked inside, angled out three deep before in between, worked really hard, wore them down, and she feels like the distance is only going to help. I think she's going to be even better going a little bit longer. She is just a nice, nice animal who has done almost nothing wrong in her career. 
And I have her picked third in here, but she's in the top kind of tier of horses I have. Really, it's just because I think she might get bet down a little bit. She is really, really nice animal. The six horse, unforgettable. I have no issue with the race on July the 25th at Leopardstown. I thought the October 4th race was okay behind Fort Myers, who we just talked about in the previous race. I just don't don't know if this one... Like, she just feels a cut below to me. I, I have to see more of a, a, from her. I can't endorse using her, and I won't be using her in any, any of my exotics. But that's not going to be the case for the the uh, the Philly lined up right next door. The 7, Crystal, who I'm actually going to make my top selection in here. I, I mean, I love all three of her races. My major concern is... Yes, she's a filly who is a stone-cold closer, and she's going to be coming from the back of the pack, and she might have to, you know, pass 10, 12 horses in here if she wants to win, and she might have to deal with traffic, sure. But I just like her kick. It is strong, and she should get the setup. I'm not, I'm hoping, you know, if she if she gets a smooth trip, she should have, have a good enough turn of foot to beat some of the top-tier Euros in here. And I think Crystal is legit. So her debut... On August the 4th, she was last. She was 10 off early. She's traveling well. And she's even last at the top of the lane. She angles out widest of all. She lugs in. She wins. She lugs in. But she DQ'd. She was so much the best. It was just really unfortunate. It was one of those things where she impeded the horse who finished third. And the horse who finished third just finished third. Like if Sparkling Sky would have finished second, they wouldn't have uh, disqualified Crystal. And then in career start number two, she's in the PG Johnson. She misses the break. She's seven off. She's last. She angles all the way out again. She's last. She makes this awesome late run to get up. And she beats a couple next out winners, including Sweet Melania. Most recently, Crystal taken back to last. Ten lengths off again. Last at the top of the lane. Angles around widest of all. Couldn't get to self, Leslie, but was a very nice second. And I know what I'm going to get from Crystal. She will come flying. She's going to give me a good late turn of foot. I just have to hope that there's a couple in here who set things up. Crystal, if we get anything over six to one, we're going to make a win wager on the number seven. The eight, Tango. She's now going to have to try long. And do that versus top company. To me, she's another one in here that just feels like not quite. I mean, look, she's been behind Daya, Albina, and she crushed the last time out at the Kura. But she's just not, to me, not quite the top. And you may be, some of these horses that are Aiden O'Brien's might get over bet. And remember, I'm not saying because of that stat, we just that Aiden O'Brien can't win. But just keep that in mind if you're looking at a horse going, eh, I don't know. Then, you know, if they're a shortish price, probably don't don't use them. Tango won't necessarily be a short price, but just the connections alone will probably get some value. We'll probably get some um, support. The nine Al- Albina, I think the real key for her is she has to take back and make one run. She's three for four. She's only lost to love. Love conquers all, right? I mean, who who hasn't been defeated by love? If if our only defeat in life is by love, we're in okay shape. And I think that's the case for Albina. In in the race where she lost to love, which was on September 15th, 
She was a close-up third, fourth. She was kind of in between horses, and she was in chase mode. She didn't settle. And so she wasn't able to kind of take back and settle and close. She was too close early on, and that took the late kick away from her. Now, I'm hoping that today, opposite, right? Last time out, she goes to, she goes to a mile. We have no issue or no worry about her getting the mile. She's a group one winner. She was kind of in the fifth, sixth spot towards the rear, she was just about five lengths off, but she was traveling well. She was asked for a run at the straightaway, and she just was jumping out of her skin. I mean, visually, talk about impressive. The real key for her is take back, make one late run. I don't want to see her get caught up early on in the pace. The number 10 is Fair Maiden, who her sprint races, the July 21st race at Arlington, and then the Woodbine catch a glimpse were just incredible. She won by 14 and by 7. I mean, just absolutely blew the doors off those fields. Then last time out, she's going a mile for the first time in the grade 1. She's behind. Uh, she's against Abscond. She's a close-up third. She's basically battling all the way around. She's sitting right behind the top two. And, I mean, you, you think she's the winner. She's right there, getting a nice trip, right within striking range. Looms up at the top of the lane, takes the lead, but then she just hung and she drifts a little bit late. I don't know if going a mile is going to help her. I don't know if all the other speed in here is going to help her. I was a little disappointed that she couldn't put that field away and couldn't seal the deal that day. And so now I'm worried with horses that have legitimate, like a legitimate miler, like the nine. A horse like Crystal, if that one comes running, is Fair Maiden going to be able to hold one of them off? I don't know. The 11 is sharing who I mean she's tough to to build a, a strong case against, right? Her debut, she's in between horses, she's 3-4 lengths off, she's in tight, she gets shuffled and she loses a few lengths, she's buried down inside, angles out and across four paths around the field, just misses. She was much the best that day when she was third beaten in neck. That was going five and a half. Then she goes seven furlongs on the main track. And she breaks right on top. She pressed just off. She's three deep. She's shaking up at the top of the lane and just kicks on. And then on September the 21st, wins a nice stakes race at Laurel. Smooth start from the outside. Close up third. Let the top two battle. Just always sitting in a great spot. She always looked like the winner that day. I ain't talk. I would not talk you off her. The 12 sweet Melania. The July 14th race is, is super impressive. When she breaks her maiden. She gets up to second, she's in the turn um, Like up to second in the turn She's just a length off at most She moves to the lead without being asked She opens up a couple lengths And on August the 29th She's runner up to Crystal. She's fifth that day She's sitting four off early on She's in the two path And then she's pushed three wide She's actually back to sixth And then she looms up She takes the lead at the top of the lane But she couldn't hold off Crystal. And then in the Jessamine, she absolutely crushes. She shows speed to the two paths. She pressed for the first maybe three furlongs, and then she just clears off and says, I'm just better than you. And sweet Melania will be quick, will be flashing speed. I mean, she can come from off the pace. Look what we saw in the PG Johnson. She can sit if need be. I just think she's going to be, she's so, can be so dominant when she's on the front end or close to it. Why wouldn't you show those tactics again? Coming from off the pace, she's just like everyone else. The fact that she has some options and has positional speed could help her, though, over a horse like 
Kristal, who I like, but I'm going to be against Sweet Melania in here. The 13 is Selflessly, who I have in the fourth spot in this race. Her debut race, she was slow away, but she split horses at the back of the pack. She angles outside seven deep. She loses her footing a little bit, and then she flies late. She closes. She has to alter. She has to, you know, from the rail, back and forth a little bit. And then last out, she's much closer. She's sitting third, fourth when she stretches out from five furlongs to a mile and a sixteenth. Just a couple lengths off in the two path, three wide bit at the top of the lane. Gets a nice W there and gets a jump on a horse like Crystal. That's the problem with Crystal. Sometimes, you know, she can be at the mercy of horses who have a little more tactical speed. Rounding out the field is Etol. I don't know what to do with her off of her her sprint races. In her debut, she was kept at the inside. She was tucked behind horses. She's like fifth, six, but she was just a couple lengths off at the most. She waited. She got a nice opening from the two paths. She just angles two from the rail and she holds off a couple challengers to the outside. And then last time out, she's just mid pack in between horses. She gets up to fourth within about a length or so, but she fades late. And that was against, you know, top level company going six furlongs. I just, I don't like her as much. Uh, as some of the others in here So I have this race 79513 Crystal The 7 If we can get like 6 to 1 That's why I have her slightly on top of the 9 and the 5 I think you just might get a little better price On her But I have them all in my top tier So this it's like a 5, 7, and 9 As the top tier uh, Also with the 13 to use in some of the exotics I feel like this race is going to set up for a horse Coming from off the pace for a, a nice filly To sit back and make one late run 7, 9, 5, 13 We'll close out the Friday Breeders' Cup races With the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Very short field and it's an unfortunate With an unfortunate scratch of The 9, Maxfield, who would have been a Major, major player In here, so no Maxfield We're just down to a field of 8 and the one Dennis's moment will likely be your favorite. In his debut, he clipped heels and he lost the jock. Career start number two, he wins by 19 plus links at Ellis Park. So, you know, sometimes you win big at, at Ellis. It's not Churchill, Sananita, Delmar, Saratoga. We don't know how how good maybe it was a field that wasn't that strong. Although the Ellis Park racing, I, I got to admit, has been getting a lot, lot better uh, just like quality wise in the last couple of years. Goes to the Iroquois And Dennis's moment was Three deep He's fifth into the turn Just close up though, two, three lengths off He moves to the lead without being asked And he is geared down late Awesome, I mean awesome Performance And then you know the debut is a length clear in, Within one stride Crosses over, deals with a tad bit of pressure And then just opens up, he's just playing with them in, in the not the debut, but in his maiden breaking score, his debut was the race where he had the incident. I have total respect for him, and I think he has a you know huge chance to win this race. I'm a little concerned with the rail for him. You know, it's not a field of 15, and there's not a really for this type of a race. There isn't as much speed as you would think for like a juvenile race. But the just the fact that. Eight Rings has speed And Baffert has mentioned that Eight Rings is kind of quirky And Eight Rings is a horse who ducked into a rival And bumped and lost a jockey And he has an incident So the top two betting choices in this race Have both had incidents where they Didn't finish the race It's kind of weird for 
young horses to have multiple horses that are like live in a race like this and they've both had an incident. Not like there's anything that they really did. It's just kind of a a weird instance. I have Dennis's moment pick second now because the I actually liked Ma- Maxfield a little bit. Maxfield is scratched. So now I'll have Dennis's moment pick second. The key is he showed that he can sit, but will he be able to sit from the rail if a horse like Eight Rings is is going to go and they're and they're hooking up and they're pressing each other and they're battling? Can he take back and and really sit patiently? I'm going to say no for the most part. And we'll take a little shot against him. I mean, I won't I won't play against him and if you're playing exactas and tries and supers things like that, but if you're playing a win wager, I think there's only one horse that you can make a win wager on in this particular race. As long as the uh, the price is right. The number 2 is Wrecking Crew. Super impressive debut winner and then he came back in the best pal. He was off a little slow. He was kind of green. He's been off slow like, in, in in his first two. And he, he was a little green. He was kind of climbing. He looked like a, a like a little bit of a kid still. The race I, that kind of threw me off Wrecking Crew, and I hope it's not for uh, <laughs> you know like a smoke screen, and I'm going to lose money now. But I just was not impressed with his September second race in the Del Mar Futurity. That was the race where Storm the Court and Eight Rings. Had the incident where eight rings ducked into storm the court. They both lost their jockeys and neither one of them finished the race. So on paper, it looks like it's a field of eight. Well, in reality, it was just a field of six. Because the two horses knocked into each other and they couldn't finish. Both were okay. They're running in this race. The winner that day was Nucky. And Wrecking Crew was just getting a perfect trip. The two horses went down. Wrecking Crew sitting fifth of six. He's in the clear and he's just two lengths off. He's getting an absolutely perfect trip. Zero excuses. The horse who won that day was Nucky, and he's actually a maiden claiming winner. And Nucky came back to finish 8th, beating 38 in the Grade 1 American Pharaoh next out. I just don't know if Wrecking Crew is quite this level. So we're uh, a little against him. Wasn't sure what happened with Shoplifted. I expected a much better effort from him in his last start. He was a debut winner, and then he was a runner-up in the hopeful, and that was just on in the slop, so you can sometimes give horses an excuse. His first start going long, he was four deep. He was in between going into the turn. He was back to last. He was 10 off. He kept it the inside. He angled around four deep, and he started to move. He just couldn't make up a ton of ground. He was in a battle for third with Storm the Court, Express Train, and Shoplifted, the three of them. They were battling, and he ended up Finishing fifth and like third in their own little personal race of three because they were both well behind the top two. They were all three well behind the top two. The horse who actually outfinished him stormed the court. Like, if you're looking for a price in this race, I would, those to me would be the two horses that I would say, okay, shoplifted and stormed the court could offer you some value here because I think you can give shoplifted another opportunity. He's been here now a while in Southern California since that race. Maybe he's a little more acclimated to the racetrack and then storm the court. Who you can't knock that Delmar Futurity race You can't hold that against him He didn't do anything He just got ran into And then he finished third last time out He, he was well behind Now he adds the blinkers And that may may shake him up a little bit Give him the opportunity to show a little more speed And maybe he gets involved So if you're looking for like the price of the race I think it might be Storm the Court I like Scabbard quite a bit in here uh, I'm going to make Scabbard my top selection And probably the best bet on Breeders' Cup Juvenile Friday Breeders' Cup Friday. I guess it's Juvenile Friday, right? Yeah, I guess so. 
Scabbard in his debut off the pace, nice winner. He used to race as a horse as Noose, and they changed his name to Scabbard. So his first two races, if you're watching or you're looking back, he's actually runs as the horse named Noose. So he won the debut, and in his second start on August the 10th, he was second in the Grade One Saratoga Special, and he was behind Green Light Go. He broke slowly from the rail. He was last on the inside. He wanted to go, but he was behind a, a rival. And he had another rival to his outside He waited and he angled around And it was just a little bit too late He was a a good second and he was a clear cut second that day I thought that was a good effort Last time out Running as Scabbard Was the extremely impressive performance He was mid-pack He was saving ground He moved into a tight spot and then he backed out of it And then he was really starting to roll Up onto uh, the heels on a couple of the other rivals He had to stop all of his momentum He shuffled back again He lost about four lengths He angled off the rail He closed very, very well He was a clear-cut second That's the race that me, to, to me that says Okay, I think Scabbard will continue to improve And I, I just haven't seen anything from him In his three races that I didn't like He was good in all three He should get a much better setup in here I think with Dennis's moment down at the inside That's going to force him to, to be a little more forwardly placed than he wants Eight rings will hook up with him early on Probably storm the court not too far And then that just sets up really well for Scabbard Let's get like 5 to 1 We'll make a win wager on him The only problem I have is that he might get bet a bit Because he might take all the money that Maxfield was going to take Because once you get past Dennis's moment in 8 rings It really does look like Scabbard is the next horse now Without Maxfield So He's going to get hit hard, but just keep in mind now, without Maxfield, his chances of winning are much better, especially, you know, Maxfield was going to try to win a race the same way that Dennis, uh, the same way that Scabbard would, kind of sitting and coming from off the pace, whereas the other two top contenders will likely be more forwardly placed. That could be to their hindrance. And, you know, I've been talking negative on eight rings, it feels like, for a while, and I think he's really nice. I just get the feeling he's still kind of a little immature. And I'm worried that he's not the type of horse who will be able to take back and sit if he has to. Now, he might be quick enough and he might be quicker than Dennis's moment to where eight rings can just get the lead clear and go. That would not shock me. But I, I think him, him and Dennis will kind of get get hooked up a little bit. I feel like right now at this point, eight rings is the type of horse who can maybe beat up a little bit more on horses that he's better than. And I'm not sure if he has to really fight if he's going to be able to win after having, you know, to battle and, and to set an early pace. What do you do with a new Dio, a new Dioro, a new door? I just butcher names sometimes. Good. His turf race at Golden Gate, I mean, he was four deep into the first turn. He's about four or five lengths off. He waited. He kind of worked his way up. To the lead at the top of the lane It was just a very nice win And it was an easy victory that day And they obviously liked this horse He was a $480,000 purchase But I mean this is a tough ask He's never been on the dirt And now he's going to try to To deal with You know Grade 1 company on the dirt Second career start Coming down to Santa Anita Feels like it might be Just a little too much of an ask and then you have full field with with Maxfield out, full field round, full flat rounds out the field. And I, you know, if he was in one of the grass races, I'd give him a little bit of a look more. But I just don't think he's going to be able to keep up with these horses early on. This is a, a different animal when when you're coming over from you know some grass races in Japan, and you're going to be facing legitimate dirt horses in 
North America in, in the United States. So I just think he's in he's in a bad spot here, full flat. So there's your Breeders' Cup Friday card. And we'll go through a couple different ways. I, I think I'm, I'm thinking about playing this uh this pick five. So I'll play a couple uh the main pick five I'm gonna play is I'm gonna single scabbard at the back end of it. Because it's a pick five that goes from aces five, six, seven, eight, nine. So if if you're going to do that and you're going to single scabbard and you're going to single against a couple favorites in there, really, I'm I can play this ticket trying to get there, and I can play this ticket using you know a lot of horses leading up. If I'm going to be closing with the horse who's going to be your third choice and probably I'm, I'm hoping like four, five to one, I'm not going to be closing with the horse who's going to be like one of the top two betting choices in there. So I'll play the first pick five. Four, seven, nine, ten, and twelve. Four, seven, nine, ten, and twelve in race number five. Race number six, two, three, four, five, six, twelve, and fourteen. Two, three, four, five, six, twelve, fourteen. Race number seven. We can spread out in this race and just use all of the contenders in the juvenile fillies and go one, three, four, six, seven. So even in case like Donna Veloce and Wicked Whisper sneak away or maybe they're just freaky good we have them on our ticket and then we have the other three that we like in the fourth leg race number eight we can go five seven nine and thirteen and then we can close things out with the five scabbard one more time we'll repeat this first ticket four seven nine ten twelve with two three four five six twelve fourteen with one three four six seven with five seven nine thirteen with five single scabbard on the end so whenever I single a horse, I'll generally play a backup ticket where uh, in the race I single, I use a couple others. So unfortunately, I guess we can't really get too cute um, in the juvenile. But what I will do in that race is I'll play uh, on the other ticket. We'll use the major containers and we'll throw a price in. So our, our second ticket, the backup ticket, I guess, but I always play two because I just like to play off of each other. We'll play 9-10 in the fifth race. So 9-10. and 10. Go with the nine four wheel drive and all Lee in race number six two four fourteen in race number seven four and six so we'll just use British idiom and Bast there on that ticket five seven nine thirteen and then we can go one four five six in the juvenile so in, in this ticket in the juvenile we'll use Dennis's moment we'll use. Uh, Eight rings, and we'll also throw in the number four storm the court, and this is a like our backup saver ticket. Um, but the first ticket is the one that I like the most because we like scabbard. We want to end with scabbard, so we want to play that where we we hope we want it to to be. So if scabbard wins, we hit this pick five, and that feels like we're using. I'm using all the horses that I like. I think I have a shot. Top selections again. The fifth race, the number ten, Ah Ali. We'll make a win wager at around seven to two. Seventh race, the number four British Idiom will make a win wager around three to one or over. The eighth race, the number seven Crystal will make a win wager at around six to one or over. And the number five Scabbard in race number nine will make a win wager if we can get around five to one, and we'll have them as a single in the exotics. Let's build our stable duel lineup. So you hear, you've heard me talking about stable duel. Maybe you've heard. Um, You've seen it out there. You've heard some other people talk about it, but you're not sure what it is. I'm going to help build a lineup right now. So go to your Stable Duel app, and you can download the app on iOS devices, Android, um, anything 
any of any of those at all. I'm using my iPad right now on my on my lineup. And what you do is, it is a daily fantasy lineup that you're going to be build building based on a salary cap. So you have to pick ten horses that fall under the fifty thousand dollar total salary cap. So you have $50,000 to pick your 10 horses. You don't have to pick one horse in each race. You can pick three horses in one race. But remember, you're going to get points based on how horses finish in the top five. So you want to pick horses that you think are going to win. You're not going to be able to pick the favorite in every race. So we're going to go to Friday. You can see me in there. I'm. Uh, that's what G said. And I've built my lineup already. But I'm going to kind of talk you through each race and maybe give you a couple horses to use. Because I wouldn't tell you my... I'm not going to tell you my exact lineup because it wouldn't do you any good. Because if we're both using the exact same lineup, we're going to hurt each other's chance to win big money. So I'm going to give you a couple horses in each race to use. And then maybe you can build your lineup based on how, like who you like a little more. Maybe in some of the races you're like, ah, Gino, you're smoking in that race. I'm going to go by myself, but I'll tell you a couple that I think fit in the price range in each race. So go to your stable duel and create your stable. And we're talking about the Friday contest. Now this Friday contest, remember it's free to enter and you can get $5,000 in prizes. So, and it's not just a top, it pays out to, um, you know, a ton of different people. So in race number one, you'll see, it'll say, you know, race one, it's in the post 8,500. That's how much this horse costs. If you want to buy and make this horse part of your stable. So American tattoo is $7,000 street to Indy is $250. So you'll see, if you like a long shot in one race, that's that's how I kind of start my handicapping. Or that's how I start building my lineup. Is I'll kind of go through the races and I'll go in particular. So right now, here's what I'm going to do, right? We we just heard all the horses that I like throughout the Breeders' Cup. So who did I like the most? Scabbard. So let's immediately go to race number nine and let's get Scabbard in the mix. He's 3,000. So right there, we're already in good shape because I like this course. I think he's got a big shot to win. And now this field is short, is smaller without Maxfield in here. It's only going to be a field of eight. And if he can win, I'm in great shape with the rest of my salary cap because now I can have a nice higher average per horse. Let's go to Christelle. Other horse I like, right? Race number eight. Eight to one, only three thousand fits pretty well with our average per. Let's go to Christelle. So now you see you're building your lineup all the way through. It'll tell you on the bottom. Now I have Scabbard and I have Christelle. I'm two out of ten. I have forty-four thousand dollars remaining in my salary, and it's telling me that I have an average of about three thousand per horse. So those are the two that you know you can probably assume that I'm going to use because I really like those horses. And so now in each race all the way through. You got to have to pick, right? Like in race number one, if you want to use American Tattoo, who I liked, then unfortunately, it's going to hurt your opportunity to 
get a bigger bankroll or to you know buy a more expensive horse or a, a better horse down the road. So that's that's keep in mind when you're going through. You have to kind of work with the salary a little bit. Who do you like? So in race number one, I I, I like American Tattoo. If that's a little too much for you. If American Tattoo is a little too expensive and you can't afford to use American Tattoo, what's wrong with Zestful, who should give you at least a good run for your money for as far as speed is concerned? I don't want to spend 11000 on campaign. I think it's in the post is a little too much there. So for me, I'd go American Tattoo or Zestful in race one. And then in race two, you're looking at the prices. Zuzana at 6000 is obviously where I would maybe, maybe start. Uh, I do think... I like the fact that Opus One has speed. Remember, with some of these, you don't have to, you don't necessarily have to look in every race and go, okay, this horse can win. But if you know you're going to get a horse who's who's going to be super cheap on against your salary cap and it has like good speed and maybe can hang around and at least you know finish top three, that could be a major positive for you. Make sure you read just the specifics of the scoring and the rules so you know everything. But it's pretty basic and pretty simple that you know you're just you're just trying to find the horses who you think are going to win or finish better. You know, Pretty easy and it's fun and it's free. So, you know, Opus One, Zuzana, uh, those are nice possibilities. And Eddie Surprise, I wouldn't talk you off that one at around 3,000. In the third race, this one might be a race where I would spend up a little bit more on Ben studying her because I just don't love really anyone else in here. Um, Warren Showtime feels a little bit expensive, but obviously has a big shot. If you want to go a little cheaper, maybe. Maybe Mandy. The fourth race, I would look to great Ulysses, who I think uh, around that three thousand mark, really nice value from like a, a much much cheaper standpoint. If you want to want to go like real cheap in this race, maybe you can look at Dapper. If you want to go like super expensive. I just don't feel like this is the race to go super expensive. You know, maybe Cali, dude. But I just, I would much prefer Great Ulysses at around 3000 And then we get into the Breeders' Cup races. In the fifth race, I like Ali. You know, four-wheel drive might be a little too expensive for some of you to fit in there. Um, same thing with Kamari. If you have to go a little cheaper, I mentioned my affinity for Dreamshot, who could really... Sets you up nicely if Dreamshot is able to, to run well in here at that $500 price. In the sixth race, uh, many ways to go. Structor, but if you want to go cheaper, you get a good run for your money with Peace Achieved, who should be flashing speed. Decorated Invader should be right there, but he's more expensive. Um, Graceful Kitten, another very solid, like cheap option here at only $500. And then Arizona, if you want to, I just, I would be against Arizona at. At five to two and at eighty five hundred in here, that just seems yeah. Like I'd be against Donna Veloce at eight thousand. That just seems way too much to me. I'd much prefer. I mean, perfect alibi is a thousand in there. Bast in, in British idiom, so I'd, I'd have to go. This might be a race where I'd have to spend up on either British idiom or Bast because I'm not as high on Donna Veloce. But perfect alibi at a thousand could kind of give you a different option. The eighth race. Crystal, I mentioned that one, so that, that's where I'll be there. But if you wanted to take a look at uh, Diet, you know, at 6,000. If you wanted to take a look at Albina at 6,500, selflessly at 3,000, all makes sense. Probably wouldn't spend up on Dennis's moment uh, or Eight Rings. That, that's why Scabbard feels like a really, really nice 3,000 price there. Maybe you want to go even lighter with Storm the Court. 
And then to, to close things out, Regalo or Candy Cornell, I thought at, at their prices from the inside, really fit. So it's, it's fun. You build your lineup. You can work with a little bit. You add a couple horses and then you go, oh, you know what? I have to change this horse because it was a little too much. So take a, take a few minutes, figure out your lineup. If you have any questions at all, let me know. I, and you'll see me on there. That's what G said. So I look forward to uh, the plan. It's completely free. So if you're, you know, you want to play the races and you just didn't have a whole lot of money this week, this is absolutely perfect for you to get involved in. Let's close things out with a little, a little wrestling. Before we do, I want to mention our good friend Cindy Carava, sponsor of That's What G Said podcast. Make sure to check out her website, cindycarava.com. If you need anything at all in the field of real estate, she's a full service realtor who can help you out with everything, buying, leasing, purchasing, uh, purchasing, buying, leasing, selling. If you need help getting pre-approved for a loan, if you want to improve your home and you're looking to find you know, vendors to help you out with that, Perfect person to, to contact, and she is the nicest, most genuine lady you will ever meet. Cindy Carava. Send her an email, cindyc.realtor at gmail.com. I know she'll be paying attention to the Breeders' Cup. She is the wife of uh, horse racing trainer Jack Carava, who's been a mainstay out here on the, the SoCal circuit for the last 30 years or so. So say hello to my good friend, Cindy Carava. Lots going on in the wrestling world, man. It is just a. Uh, Crazy. There's so every day now. So Monday we have Monday Night Raw. Tuesday WWE is going to start their backstage show on Fox FS1. There's also the AEW Dark and there's NWA Power. And then on Wednesday we have uh, AEW Dynamite and we have NXT. And then on Friday we have Friday Night SmackDown. And then some Saturdays and some Sundays are going to be pay per view. So it is just a full packed week when it comes to pro wrestling. Not a great week though It's just a tough time right now Because WWE had to move their episode of Fox of Smackdown From Fox to FS1 last week They only had 880,000 in the ratings Which is miserable For WWE I'm sure they'll bounce back big this week When they're on Fox But they had Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair on that show They promoted it pretty hard On FS1 The All Elite Wrestling Ratings were actually better than that But they've dropped and so have NXT's Ratings have dropped now Basically every week I think a lot of it has to do with the time of the year Right now, think about it, it's the World Series The NFL, NCAA football NBA, NHL Really good TV shows all starting up All at the same time So Give give it a few weeks for wrestling I think around the new year Things will really start to pick up again Uh, But I mean it's the quality is awesome right now Because if you're not a fan of WWE You don't like what they're doing on Raw and on Smackdown You know what you can do? You don't have to watch it at all You go watch NWA Power Go watch AEW There's amazing wrestling all over Go watch NXT Maybe you don't like NXT, that's fine We'll do a little quick preview If you didn't notice WWE has one of those Saudi Arabia shows Coming up this week uh, It's called Crown Jewel I mean, on paper There is a lot of star power on here And I mean just you have Seth Rollins versus Bray Wyatt Universal Championship Falls Count Anywhere Cannot be stopped for any reason Remember how horrible that Hell in a Cell match That stopped was between the two of them Seth Rollins and The Fiend How does how does either one of these guys lose right now I can't see Seth losing Can't see The Fiend losing This has to be some kind of a weird 
Schmaz ending where somebody interferes or something because I just don't. Seth maybe turns and he gets the help of someone else. We're gonna have a team Hulk Hogan versus a team Ric Flair match. So we've had Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair on um, Raw and SmackDown to pump this match the last few weeks. It'll be the good guys: Roman Reigns, Rusev, Ricochet, Shorty G, and Ali versus Randy Orton, Baron Corbin. Bobby Lashley, Shinsuke Nakamura And Drew McIntyre That's Team Flair, the bad guys We saw some uh, Real days of our lives Soap opera WWE this week With Bobby Lashley With uh, Rusev and with Lana And apparently Rusev is a sex addict And a, a sex maniac Right? Tag team turmoil match They always do something like this Like a big tournament or some kind of a big battle royal This time it's going to be a tag team turmoil match Where they have Ziggler and Rude, The Revival, The New Day, The Viking Raiders, Heavy Machinery, Lucha House Party, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, The OC, and The B Team all in this tag team turmoil match. U.S. champ AJ Styles, he's going to face the winner of a battle royal that will have Sunil Singh, Mojo Raleigh, Eric Rowan, R-Truth, Sin Cara, Brian Kendrick, Titus O'Neil, Tony Nese, Sakira Tozawa, Shelton Benjamin, Apollo Crews, Buddy Murphy, Andrade, Drake Maverick, Eric Young, Luke Harper, Cedric Alexander, Heath Slater, Humberto Carrillo, and No Way Jose. The winner gets a U.S. title shot. I mean, you'd have to think it might be Humberto Carrillo. They just had a match on Raw. AJ uh, kicked Carrillo's hurt leg afterwards. So they they have kind of a built-in storyline there. And then the winner will face AJ. So I'm assuming it'll be Carrillo winning this and then facing AJ later on the show. Carrillo has gotten a good little push the last couple weeks on Raw. And then we have... Mansoor Versus Cesaro Mansoor's become like the local hero He's always going to get a big match And he's going to go over in all these Saudi Arabia shows He's in NXT And then we have a couple I'm really interested to see what's going to happen In this Braun Strowman versus Tyson Fury match Like how much is Tyson Fury The boxer going to do in this In this ring is it going to be quick where he just comes in A couple punches and knocks Strowman out Is, is it going to be just a DQ Something weird, but they've built this up, and they made it seem like legitimate. And you know, they've had some. I mean, in the, that they've had press conferences, and it's been pretty formulaic, but it hasn't been bad. The setup for this, and then Brock Lesnar versus Kane Velasquez. Kane Velasquez, who beat up Brock Lesnar in the octagon. Kane can't lose right right away. He's got a, a deal for a couple years with WWE, but then Brock, you'd imagine you wouldn't think he's going to lose. Right now either And he'll probably carry the title for a while on Smackdown What they could do Which is unlikely Is you know they could have Bray Wyatt win The title against Rollins Take it to Smackdown Have Cain Velasquez win that title Take it to Raw I don't think they'll do that I think that's another match That probably won't have a clean ending Probably some sort of a schmoz Thursday 9am We up on the Pacific 9am Pacific time 9am for me 12 Eastern 9 Pacific Crown Jewel Folks Good luck in the Breeders' Cup. Hope you have a a very profitable Friday. Don't forget, we'll have another Saturday podcast for you where we'll go through all of the Breeders' Cup Saturday races, all of the Breeders' Cup Saturday horses. If you have an opportunity, if you can head over to iTunes, leave a nice five-star rating and review. If you can subscribe on YouTube, on SoundCloud, on iTunes, all over, you'll get every episode of That's What G Said podcast. Thanks, folks. Good luck. Joey Cleveland, my man. Let's get to that. That's what G said theme song.